What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the NerdWide Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Haynes, with my good friend and co-host, who I would think would survive uh, the Triangle of Sadness, Mr. Chris Rivers. <laughs> How's it going, Tyler? It's 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 going. The since for the past four day, four or five days, I've been dealing with the sinus issues. Like I can feel my post nasal drip just back in my throat, just constantly going. So if I'm drinking an excessive amount of water, that's why I'm trying not to cough and I'm trying to uh, keep talking. I'm feeling better, but still congested, and I don't like it. It's this Tennessee weather where it's 30 degrees in the morning and 16, 70 degrees in the afternoon, and it throws my whole system through a whack. you think living here my whole life, I'd be used to it, but apparently that's not how bodies work. So how have you yeah, been? Yeah. Um, doing all right. Yeah, I went to work the other day, and it was when I left for work, I think it was 78, and then that night when we left, it was 40. Yeah. yeah. Our bodies don't like that, and I'm not a big fan. I mean, then we had that, the, that pressure system come through Friday, and bring all that wind and storms in and or i guess storms if you want to call it that but a bunch of wind a lot of wind so yeah it got to 70 miles an hour in some places yeah you know just just yeah. a little bit just nothing crazy uh quick housekeeping before we jump into everything there will not be a traditional episode of the nerdwide podcast next week for because it, it is the oscars we are still in discussions on it on what exactly we are going to do. I've just recently found out it is three and a half hours ish long. So, and I've got a hard bedtime. So, we'll see what we do. <laughs> and you were saying you've never watched an Oscars no. telecast before. So this is going to be a, a first for a lot of things, and I'm even having to push back the finale of The Last of Us. So, the Oscars should know. I, uh, I uh, had a couple of friends that. Um, years ago every year they would have an oscar party and uh they would even have the printout sheets of the nominees so you could make your prediction mm. who won and i know the the kind of funny podcast they used to do something like that like they'd all dress up and things like that and um like have like bingo and, and bets on who's gonna win and you know just among themselves and yeah. who gets the most points and stuff like that that might be something to look into because that could be fun just to have a, because you know, Super Bowl's over. I mean, only big sporting things are going on at the beginning of March, at least. So, you know, if I like this thing, Chris, because you know we've watched all of them, but technically three, I think Avatar. There's a the woman one. I forget what it is. Women and, talking. Women talking, and then Tar. We pulled an audible this week, ladies and gentlemen, because uh, Chris got Fableman. And send it to me. And of course, we've been wanting to watch that one above pretty much all the other ones. And I got halfway through Tar, and I've never done this in my life. I said, okay, no more. I can't do it anymore. I literally got halfway through it, and I was like, okay, this has got to be almost over. And I pulled it up, it was halfway, and I said, nope. It's it's unwatchable, in my opinion. And I'm glad we pulled it audible. So, because it was, it, uh, nah, like, it, there's really no story. Halfway where, through, I was like, I don't even see a story here. Where was your limit? How much time left would you have still sat there and said, okay, I'm just going to finish? If it had 15, 30 minutes, I would have. But I still had like an hour and 15. I was like, I can't. There was there was no way. And like I paid $5 to rent it or whatever. And I was like, I've, 
I wish I would have refunded my money, but since I already watched half of it, I don't think you get a refund on it, which is, is what it is. But I, you know, wish Kate Blanchett the, the best. Just hope that movie does not do well. Because uh, that was, that's, I, I know coming into this, a lot of these movies aren't going to be my thing, right? And that's, that's the fun of it, you know, watching these things you wouldn't, wouldn't normally watch. But that one really cemented that in. <laughs> if we started with that, that would have been, I'd be like, okay, we're, we need to do something different here. <laughs> but we've got some really good movies, which of course we are going to talk about some of them. Um, Triangle of Sadness is one that I thought was a pretty decent movie. The Fablemans, I've got a lot, of, a, lot, a lot of things to say about that one. But quick housekeeping, we talked about the Oscars next week. If you enjoy the show, make sure you leave us a thumbs up on YouTube or give us a good rating for whatever podcasting app you use. Don't forget to subscribe to either our YouTube or podcasting service of your choice. If you don't enjoy what you see or hear, make sure you leave us a comment and let us know what we can improve, what you didn't like, what we can fix, things like that. If you don't leave us a comment, we don't know how to fix it if you don't tell us. If you want to do more, you can always go to patreon.com slash nerdwide. Three different tiers for three different monetary values. All of them leading up to you essentially letting us know what you want us to watch, read, talk about, um, do, play, any of that kind of stuff. It's all up to you. First tier, of course, gets early access to the episodes before they go live to the public. Oh, let's see. Chris, have you been watching anything TV-wise? Nothing special to speak of. Hmm. I've I'm the same boat. This week's been a I've still been catching up on uh, the Flash. I think I've watched the second and third episode. I've got two more to catch up on before I'm fully caught up. Um, and then Big Bang. And I'm telling you, season eight now. I'm telling you, two seasons a week at this point. Loving every bit of it. Um, so Penny and Leonard are engaged. P- Penny is now short-haired Penny and is doing the. Um, she just started her sales rep stuff. So I'm still early season eight. Right. I'm trying to think. Kuther Polly is with. Oh, what's the redheaded girl's name? Oh, God. I know. It's Emily. So, yeah. 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 And I yeah. um, don't know if that's, that's going to be the one for him or, or what. I still have four seasons to go. So a lot of crazy yeah. things can happen. P- Professor Proton's died in the show, not in real life in the show so that was kind of sad that was a good episode kind of funny because you're going through big bang and i'm keeping up week to week with young sheldon so uh so is it so there's a lot that they talk about his youth and stuff like that is it pretty accurate to the show like how old is he in the show now and uh in young sheldon he's supposed to be 13 i think mm. right now so his dad's still um, alive then his dad's still alive he's in uh in college okay so um they do some things differently than what he talks about in big bang only because they reason that you know as adults we misremember things mm, that's a good way to actually do that <laughs> yeah so they're like it's not exactly how he remembers right. it that's smart. So, so what you're telling me is I need to watch that when I get done with Big Bang. I enjoy it. Okay. Uh, you know, it's... I think young Sheldon's a bit better from Sheldon's perspective mm. in the early seasons. But as the seasons have gone on, I think I like the other cast 
the uh, characters more. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. So I'll, I'll check into that then. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I've been watching. I don't animal control. I think I'm about done watching it. I think I've we're four, three, three or four episodes in and it's not grabbing me. Jamie likes it, but it's just not grabbing my attention right now. And I think that's it. Other than the last of us, which we've got Superman and Lois here in two weeks. No, that's next week. Yeah. Two weeks then the 14th it's super Tuesdays with uh, the other one Gotham Knights yeah so oh, a, lot, a lot of things to talk about off air on that one but <laughs> that we have talked about off air uh, but a, a show that is really good The Last of Us let's do our full recap here and full on spoilers for episode 7 Left Behind of course this is covering the DLC of the game, which I knew what happened in it. Some things have changed, um, which isn't anything crazy from what I've heard and read. But we're going to tvline.com, but Kimberly Roots for the recap. Ellie drags Joel to an abandoned house and gets him set up on a mattress on the basement floor. He's awake, but doing very badly, burning up with fever and writhing in pain as she presses on his wound to stop the bleeding. He begs her to go north, go to Tommy, and grabs her roughly by the coat to drive home his point. She uses colorful language to tell him she doesn't agree with his plan, but then pushes at her when she, what's left of his might, which sends her toppling backwards. And she doesn't say anything more as she covers him with his coat and then walks upstairs. Joel cries a little as she goes, which at first I interpreted. Okay, I don't care about your interpretation. Uh, but we do see Joel crying. I got We got a lot more Joel in Ellie of now than I was expecting us to get which I was a-okay with the way they did this. Um, well, the action then swiftly switches to a flashback to Ellie's time at the federal school after Ellie beats up a girl who steals her Walkman and teases about her friend who isn't there anymore. She winds up in Captain Kwong's office. He notes that she has been put in solitary confinement three times, but it doesn't seem to have changed her outlook on the following rules. So he calmly outlines two futures for her after school, life as a federal officer and life as a non-officer. The former is brighter. He says, there's a leader in you, and one day it could be your turn, which is also a little, uh, uh, what do they call that? Alliteration, alluding to the future of the second yeah. game. Um, mm -hmm. Just before two the next morning, someone sneaks into Ellie's room via the window and puts a hand over her mouth. It's Riley, Ellie's best friend, played by Euphoria's Storm Reed. Riley ran away three weeks ago before without a word. She said, I joined the Fireflies, uh, proving it by showing Ellie her gun. She invites Ellie to come with her for a few hours and have the best night of your life. Stella is not happy about this scene. Um, Ellie protests, but then gets dressed and follows Riley out the window. Their evening brings them to the seventh floor of a building where Riley is surprised to find the corpse of a man who's overdosed on pills and drugs. She says, this guy was not here yesterday, given the uh, setting nonchalantly. The floor beneath him gives away, dropping him several floors and scaring the stuffing out of me. When the girls recover from a surprise, they grab the bottle and head to the roof to drink the dead man's booze. It scared Jamie. Like Jamie jumped quit pretty big on the scene. It didn't yeah, get me. Jump scares don't get me. Well, you hear the floor starting to creak, mm -hmm. so you know something's coming. Right. So, uh, Which, this is the only episode solely written by Neil Druckmann, by the way. So this yep. is fully his baby on as far as the story goes for this one. Um, they arrive at a shopping center. 
Uh, let me, as they swig and chat, we learn that Riley's parents are dead. The Fireflies recruited her one night when she snuck out of the dorm. And it happened when, while Ellie was in the hole while she was in solitary. Uh, with Kwong's comments in her mind, Ellie sticks up for Fedra, saying that the agency kind of holds everything together. But Riley doesn't want to argue, so she leaves to the next building and announces that they're on a mission. They arrive at a shopping center, but Ellie balks, saying that it's sealed off because it's full of infected. But Riley explains that it's not, and now it has electricity again because Fedra connected a nearby block, and the mall benefited. She tells her, tonight I'm going to show you the four wonders of the mall. Uh... As Ellie is dazzled by the lit up storefronts and suddenly moving escalators. Which is crazy because you got to think, they don't know what escalators are. Because that's just not something that's in the middle of a city. Uh, right. Some stores are looted, others are not. The Victoria's Secret, for instance, is still well stocked. Riley talks about how uncomfortable the brawls and such look and she laughs as she imagines Ellie wearing them. A little uh, hint hint here. But after Riley walks in uh, or walks on, Ellie looks at her reflection in the lingerie shop's windows and fixes her hair a little. Um... I see scenes like this interlude are good reminders. Riley has Ellie close uh, close her eyes so she can lead her hand in hand to the next surprise, the mall's carousel, which still runs. Ellie is beside herself and her eyes go even wider when Riley turns the thing on. They climb on they climb on side by side horses and ride, passing the bottle back and forth until the carousel grinds to a halt. Riley is about to dismount and fix it when Ellie stops her with a plea, come back to the Federal School and help Ellie make things better from the inside. Riley won't do it. She turns 17 the next month, which is when you get your post-school assignment, and she already knows she was put on sewage detail. Standing guard while people shovel shit, that's what they think of me, she says, uh, explaining that, that she panicked and ran. Ellie is sympathetic, but she makes a point of adding, I would have gotten it, I would have gotten it back then, too, you know. Riley earnestly says Ellie is the one thing she misses, then asks if Ellie is ready for the next three wonders. She says, I'm on a magic horse with a million lights. I don't know how it's supposed to get any better. They take photos in a photo booth, which is directly from the game, and Riley gives Ellie the strip afterward. Riley blows Ellie's mind anew with the arcade, which is fully operational, and then they play Mortal Kombat 2. Unaware that a few swords away, a very fungus, fungus a person, uh, that's a weird ad- adjective there, uh, wakes up. Yeah, fungi. <laughs> um, is feeling the vibrations of their movements, movements via tendril, and finally in a kitchen behind the food court, Riley gives Ellie a gift, no pun intended, volume 2. Which is, you know, the same one that she jokes with Joel with. <laughs> they giggle at some of the entries and write, This is so pure in my notes, but it all comes to an abrupt halt when Ellie sees a pile of pop pipe bombs in the corner and quickly ascertains that Riley made them kill soldiers. But Riley swears she never let the fireflies use the explosives on Ellie, and you think they're going to listen to you, Ellie spits back, which is very true because you were just a 17 year old grunt at this point. Why would they listen to anything you say? Oh, uh, the heartache continues when Ellie makes to leave. Riley runs after her, blurting out that she's being sent to a post in the Atlanta quarantine zone the next day. I asked if you could join so we could go together. She asked, but Barlene said no. Riley planned the whole evening because I wanted to see you and I wanted to say goodbye. By this point, Ellie is teary-eyed and so is Riley. Eventually, they wind up at a Halloween store, which Riley softly points out is the last wonder on the list. Riley tries to explain why she wants to be a firefly. They chose me. I matter to them. Ellie uh, looks hurt by this. She says, you matter to me first. But she adds that she forgives Riley and she'll miss her. Which, uh, With things eased a bit, they both don giant masks and dance to a cover. I've got you, babe. But it's all too much for Ellie. She whispers, don't go, as she takes off her mask. And Riley responds, okay. Then Ellie kisses her and Im- immediately apologizes for what Riley wonders. And they both giggle nervously. Ellie wonders what they'll do next. We're going to figure it out, Riley whispers. Um, 
let's see. And you might want to get on that ladies because there's a clicker coming straight for it. It wasn't a clicker, it's just infected. Uh, Riley shoots the infected, which buys them about a second to run. Uh, sorry, there's a lot of personal things in here. Then it gets Ellie, who stabs it repeatedly, but the cuts don't seem to slow it down at all. It's on top of her when Riley, who's come back to herself after that first attack, hits it with a baseball bat, stunning it for the nanosecond it needs for Ellie to gouge, to gouge in the head with her knife. Uh, Riley is just looking at her friend's arm. Ellie has been bitten. As Ellie screams in horror, Riley quickly cries and holds up her hand. She has also been bitten. Ellie breaks a lot of stuff in anger while Riley sits on the Halloween store's floor with her back against the counter. They decide there are two possible ways to go. Kill themselves with a gun or just wait until the cordyceps take over. Riley says we don't quit whether it's two minutes or two days. We don't give up and I don't want to give that up. She takes Ellie's hand and they're both crying as Ellie puts her head on her friend's shoulder and Riley pulls her in for a tight embrace. We don't witness how the girl's time together actually ends. We know, of course, that Ellie survives. The bite of her arm is the one we've seen healed over several times since the show began. But the next thing we see is Ellie in the present ransacking the house's kitchen for anything to help Joel and she miraculously finds something. She returns downstairs, kneels near him, and holds his hand. He looks at her intently and squeezes her back. Uh, turns out Ellie found a needle and thread in the drawer while Joel groans in pain. She pulls up his shirt and gets to work sewing up his wound. Good episode. Um, I think it would have worked for me better if it was episode six and not episode seven. So right after Sam and Henry died, I felt like this would have been a perfect time to, yeah, like kind of like a palate cleanser a little bit and then do the whole Tommy episode that him getting shot and stuff. But that's just me. I I don't get to make these, I'm not the showrunner, so I don't get to make these kind of decisions, but personally, that's where I would have put it. A couple of things though that I saw when watching it first off it, there's no way that that glass countertop is holding both of them correct when they were dancing and everything i was thinking that the whole time i was like oh yeah someone's about to fall through but no yeah. i guess uh 20 years and, is going to hold it <laughs> and and you can speak to this more so than me but when she's stitching him up i was thinking right that's great for the break in the skin mm-hmm. but if he's got damaged any damage internally, he's still going to bleed. Correct. And he's going to just have internal bleeding instead of yeah. external. So, so whole, whole slew of problems I have is there. The odds are he has something damaged internally. Yeah. That was the bottom part of a handle of a baseball bat. Yeah. Which is coming um, back, by the way. Finally, at spring training, the Pirates have lost everything but one of their spring training game, as we as you'd imagine. Sorry. Just a quick spring, tangent there. Spring training. Um. <laughs> Now, I don't know how this plays out. Well, you haven't played the DLC of this either, have you? Mm-mm. So I'm not sure. Or do you think we'll find out what happened? Oh no! So that they kept that with the DLC, like it's it's left up for you to decide, pretty much. So it when it ended on the um, the episode, that's when it ended on the game. So apparently there are more clickers than just the one, but as far as the story, it was pretty spot on with it of what happened. I uh, I kind of feel like when when Ellie mentions I can't remember which episode was it five when she lets Joel know that she's mm. she's killed somebody before. 
I kind of feel like I think yeah, it was Riley. Like I, yeah. what I feel like what happened was they were both sitting there waiting to turn because you know it could take three minutes to three hours for them to fully turn. I imagine they both sat there, and you know Riley started to turn. Ellie still hasn't turned, and she had to kill Riley or else you know been killed because they said the whole thing we don't give up, and so she probably had to kill her, and then just, just kept waiting and said oh. Okay, so I'm not turning. And then she went to Marlene, or maybe they had the conversation together of, okay, well, let's go to Marlene, and that's how it happened. I don't know. But I I, I do know, I, I do think that Ellie did kill Riley, though. Yeah. So, and maybe had to go explain to Marlene what happened. I don't know. And that could also be why she wasn't willing to leave Joel. Mm-hmm. One other reason, because that would essentially be her killing him as well. Yeah. And he's not going to kill two people that she cared about. Yeah. We don't give up either. So I think that's all the whole thing. She was trying to, to drive home with that too. But, but man, these, these next two episodes, especially the, the one tonight, episode eight, the penultimate one, it's going to be really good. Troy Baker is finally in it. We have still not seen Ashley um, Johnson. So he was on the cast list for this episode. So that's what I thought she was going to be. Well, it's IMDb. That's, because if you think about it, this would have been one that the flashback episode should have been where her mom is in because she's playing Ellie's mom. So at, mm-hmm. at this point, I'm like, I don't know when else, maybe in the, the finale at a certain point, but as a flashback or to Marlene, maybe? Unless they cut it. Oh, that's a good point, too, which would suck because everybody else from the game has been in the show and then you cut your Ellie voice actors. Oh, that would suck. Um,. But I'm, I'm really excited. We got Troy Baker for it looks like a good majority of this episode. This one's going to end. And I don't think, uh, you know, our buddy Grant's been texting me too every week because he's never played the games and he's watching the show and he's loving it. Oh, he's loving it. And I said, dude, you are not ready for these next two episodes because it's it's going to blow your mind. Yeah. And um, apparently Bella Ramsey said something about the finale. Oh, let's see if I can find that real quick. The, apparently people... Didn't like on uh, last of us finale. Oh, she says massively divisive on the, fin- uh, the finale. She says, let's see if I can find it's going to divide people massively, massively. Um, so I don't know. There shouldn't be, there shouldn't be a huge surprise because we know that they're setting up the second game, right? So, so I mean, and it covers the whole first game. So I don't see them changing the ending. So right. I think I hope she's talking about people who haven't played the game. Yeah, because it it's it changes a whole narrative on its head on the show, on the on the in the game, and we'll talk about it after you know when we talk when we do the episode, because there's a certain plot point that people keep bringing up. Um. That I don't I can't say because it'll spoil some of the ending, but which I'm curious. I think that's what she's talking about though, because uh, X Y Z. Anyways, that was Last of Us Left Behind. <laughs> so it won't be divisive if you've played the game. Mm. If you haven't, it could be divisive. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking on. So I'm curious to see what Grant and Jamie say about it then, because it's oof, this show goes places and game goes places. I don't have any news this week, like on uh, for games or movies that I could find. And I looked a lot, ladies and gentlemen, but I could not find anything. 
But we do have two movies to talk about, which we'll get to after releases this week. Thursday, March 9th, You Season 4 Part 2 drops on Netflix for all you You lovers. And that is all I've got. You. Jamie recommended that show to me, by the way, and I haven't started oh, watching You need yet. to. From what I've heard, it's just delicious. It's just great. And I'm like, I just never got into it. I never watched it, so I didn't get into it. So that's on me, though. Did you um, did you watch any other movies or just the two mm. that we watched? The just two and the a half just the two watched. and a half that we watched. I didn't. It was a busy week at work, so I didn't really. Yeah. So I watched a couple in addition. First what you up, got, got for us? We got 1999's Office Space. I don't think I've seen that. Office Space. Oh, it's great. It's hmm. great. I gave it. I I gave it four stars out of five. Really? Um. Yeah. Um, very cool film. Gary Cole, Jennifer Aniston, Ron Livingston. Check it out. People old like me love that movie. <laughs> and then, find, speaking of old, uh, from 19, I think this was 1938, The Adventures of Robin Hood with Errol Flynn. I have seen that one. Uh, Errol Flynn, Olivia de Havilland. Gave it four and a half out of five. Hmm. So, um, yeah, good movies. I will go ahead and show the box here for a film we're going to talk about, The Fable Ones. Were you just out and about and picked it up? or I ordered it on Amazon. Oh. I was just like, you know what, let's put it in the collection. Got to have it. And then that got me the digital code that I could get to use to so watch it. I appreciate it because we're going to talk about some fun things with it. <laughs> All right. So let me get this pulled up here. I'm woefully unprepared. Triangle of Sadness, I'm definitely going to uh, have to focus on, <laughs> on a synopsis because, wow. Um, it was interesting. I'll go ahead and, and say this before I get to the synopsis. I gave this four stars. Four stars. Okay. Um, and I'll run through the plot, and then we'll talk about it. Um, it's in three parts. Three parts, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, part one was Carl and Yaya. Carl, a model. And Yaya, a model and influencer. And and very quickly, Carl is played by Harris Dickinson, who um, we have seen before. And I'm trying to... He was in uh, Where the Crawdads Sing. Who was he in And he was, he was one of her two guys. I'm trying to remember which one he was. Remember there was... I think he was the local guy that... Um, Chase Andrews. I'm trying to remember what yeah, Chase was. I think he was the, the local jerk okay. that was seeing her on the side. I believe. Um, and then, of course, Yaya is played by Charlby Dean, the late Charlby Dean, who we've seen before on Black Lightning as Cyanide. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Carl, a model, and Yaya, a model and influencer, are dating... Carl resents Yaya for expecting him to pay for meals, even though she earns more than he does. 
They often bicker about money and gender roles. Yaya admits she's in a relationship with Carl for the engagement it earns them on social media and that she seeks to become a trophy wife. But Carl declares that she will come to love him. Yeah, she, she basically says at one point um, that she has to marry someone who can take care of her because if something happens to her modeling and influencing career, she That's it. has it. Yeah. There's, what a life. <laughs> there's not much to say about that part. It's basically them going back and forth and, mm-hmm. and arguing a lot. Uh, part two takes Carl place on the Carl doesn't like yacht. feminist. That's that's pretty much what I got out of that. He, yeah. he does not like yeah. feminist. <laughs> there's little things each of them say that you're like, okay, I can see your point there. Mm-hmm. Which a lot of this, a lot of these, like this part and the second part allude to a lot of the things that happened in part three, which I thought was kind of yeah. cool. Which if you and think the, back and think about it. Yeah. And the whole movie is about the class system. Mm-hmm. Um, the part two, the yacht, and by the way, the yacht was the Christina O originally, which hmm. was owned by Aristotle Onassis, who married Jacqueline Kennedy after a few years after JFK's assassination. So, hmm. um, That's pretty cool. Trivia. Well, trivia. Carl and Yaya are invited on a luxury cruise aboard a super yacht in exchange for its social media promotion. Among the wealthy guests are the Russian oligarch Dmitry and his wife Vera, who really is the linchpin in everything that happens mm-hmm. as we hurtle toward the end. The elderly couple Clementine and Winston, who've made their fortune manufacturing weapons, they get theirs. Mm-hmm. Therese, a wheelchair user who's only capable of speaking a single sentence in German following a stroke, and Yarmo, a lonely tech millionaire who flirts with Yaya. The guests luxuriate on the yacht, oblivious to the crew working to meet their every need and whim. The head of staff, Paula, demands they obey the guest's absurd request, including having every crew member swim in the sea. When the kitchen crew is ordered to swim, the chef says this means the food will go bad, but the kitchen crew is ordered to go anyway. Meanwhile, the yacht's captain, Thomas Smith, really, spends yeah. his time drunk in his cabin. Uh, Paula gets Thomas to sober up and attend the captain's dinner as the yacht passes through a storm. Several guests become violently seasick, vomit, or have diarrhea, possibly due to the food, and panic breaks out. The drunken Thomas and Dimitri debate in favor of communism and capitalism, respectively, over the intercom. Several guests are injured as the storm tosses the ship, the sewage floods, and the power goes out. When morning arrives, pirates attack, killing Clementine and Winston with a grenade and capsizing the yacht. This part is... The first part was kind of difficult to get through for me, just because it was these two people just talking, and you don't really have a strong connection to the characters yet. Yeah. This is where it kind of kicks off. Uh, yeah, Vera, Dimitri's wife, is the one who insists all the crew members should mm-hmm. go swim in the sea. So she's the reason that the food goes bad, which starts everyone vomiting. Everybody. At the dinner, <laughs> which means no one is steering the ship and keeping it as stable as possible in rough seas, which leads to them sort of drifting mm-hmm. later on. 
I thought that was that scene was very well done, like setting up the waves being crazy, because like you uh, can even see Harrison for uh, Woody Harrelson and I forget who was the second, the first captain. They were they were like standing at an angle, yeah. as the ship was yeah. rocking, and so was the crew. I was like, oh, that's really cool, and very well done that they're doing it that way. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's um, that was one of the first things that I noticed about it once it started to kind of lurch a little bit was mm-hmm. the well they the that... they mentioned it the day before that the a storm was coming in or they had to because they needed the captain to be there she makes paula makes an offhand comment she said um something like uh, you know there's a storm coming and we, we need you or something like that that's why we can't oh that's why i couldn't do dinner on that date because there's yeah. a storm coming in but i guess i did it anyways yeah and um also during that stretch you get um the um, I started to say the Churchills, but their they're last <laughs> name's not Churchill. Winston and Clementine, the weapons manufacturers, getting blown up by a grenade. It's so funny because oh. you hear it, you hear it hit the deck, and she picks it up and goes, "Oh, look, it's one of ours!" Right. And he has to take his glasses and 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 look at it, and it just and then he's like, "No!" And about that time, you yeah, see, it zooms out and it small explosion, then a big explosion. After some gunfire and stuff, that was that was very cool how they did it that way. I do want to check one little thing here, um, because Woody Harrelson's character um, is called Thomas Smith, and I believe Edward Smith was the captain of the Titanic. Oh, which of course sank at sea right so and it's funny too they have this huge you know debate between dimitri and woody harrelson's character captain smith and um getting brought up in that are the kennedys and at one point uh woody harrelson says our government was behind the the assassinations of the kennedys and martin Mm. luther king jr and malcolm x and he has stuck to his story for years that his father, Woody Harrelson's father, was one of the assassins of JFK. That he was in Daly Plaza that day, and he was one of the trigger men. Um, so it's interesting that they had that dialogue in there. I wonder if he was the reason that they added it. Right. Maybe. But that scene then sets up part three on the island. And no, Leonardo DiCaprio does not show up. Um, that was technically the beach, but then if you combine <sighs> the beach and Shutter Island, you know. A small group of survivors consisting of Carl, Yaya, Dimitri, Therese, Paula, Jarmo, ship mechanic Nelson, whom Dimitri accuses of being one of the pirates, and cleaning woman Abigail, managed to escape to an island. At first, Paula continues to order Abigail to service the crew's guests. When it becomes clear Abigail's the only one with survival skills, such as catching fish and building fires, she usurps command by withholding food. As the survivors bond and come to terms with their situation, Abigail gains power, getting her own private bed inside a lifeboat, and coercing Carl into a sexual relationship in exchange for Carl getting special privileges and food. Yaya grows jealous while Carl considers leaving her for Abigail. Jarmo kills a wild donkey by smashing it with a rock, <laughs> which, which Dimitri and Nelson celebrate. 
Yaya decides to hike to the other side of the island, and Abigail volunteers to go with her despite Carl's concerns. They discover a beachside elevator and realize they've been stranded near a luxury resort. Back at the camp, Therese encounters a beach vendor but is unable to communicate her situation. Yaya celebrates finding the elevator, but Abigail hesitates to enter. She then prepares to attack Yaya with a rock, but hesitates when the oblivious Yaya offers to help Abigail get better work, such as being Yaya's assistant. Elsewhere, Carl frantically runs through the jungle, following Yaya and Abigail towards the beach. And that's the end of the movie. It ends there. Mm. We don't know what happens. You would think if you would hear explosions and stuff on that island, which of course we don't know how big it is, uh, but you would think that somebody would have from the luxury resort or that town or city or anything would have went to the other side of the island and you know checked for survivors or anything like that. That's the only thing that's not really believable to me. But so Nelson was definitely the pi- a pirate, though. We we find out because they're they're telling. Um, not Yarmo, but Dimitri racist and all this other stuff. And he was like, no, no, I worked on the engine engine room. You guys never saw me kind of scenario. But then it turns out, sure enough, he was a pirate. <laughs> yeah. 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 In fact, it, uh, it, you hear, I don't think she's on screen when you hear it, but Paula even says something to the effect of it's a big ship. We don't all see each other. Right. You know, and it's like, you know, he was one of the, he was one of the pirates, but, the ending has been called Sopranos-like, mm. where it just goes off and it's like, okay, whatever you want to have happen is what happened. Um, Which I think is a cop-out. I think... I think at my first reaction when Yaya... She's still got her back to Abigail. And uh, she offers her the job. And I'm like, oh no, don't do that. She, yeah. She's been the help. She's been the help for all this time mm-hmm. and now she's in charge i think she hit her with a rock see i don't i don't know what uh, yeah well the way she hesitated though so i don't know maybe she turned around and saw her and then she came clean but i don't know because they were talking about coming clean to yaya anyways so i really don't know i don't know yeah i think i think she killed her and then uh carl finds her and that's about it but yeah. I thought someone was going to come out of that elevator at any time though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was God, it's it's so I always wonder on these type movies and I know it's written for them to overcome something but they they climb this mountain. It's mm-hmm. not it's more it's more than a hill um to get over there. And I'm thinking to myself if there's any other life set up on this island it's going to be near the edge, right? Right. Like you're going to have some access to the beach. Why don't people just go around the edge of the island? Never understood that. Like, why not just, like, even if you have to swim around the edge, just swim around some of it. Like, if it's too treacherous or whatever. I've never, never understood any of that before. So. (laughs) It's like, let's go over the big mountain that we could fall down. Right. And being laborious to climb and everything. And Yaya even left, uh, What's her name? Uh, Abigail. Abigail. At a certain point, I was like, okay, so Abigail is now hallucinating and something's about to happen. But no, it was it was real. I was like, oh, okay. Yep. So uh, I gave I, this one a three and a half. 
It yeah. was they they named it a, a drama comedy, but more so on the drama than it was the comedy, which was fine. But it, it wasn't a unwatchable movie. It's been kind of like all the other ones to me. It's it tells a good story. Uh, I, I hated that some of the characters we kept were who they were. Like I was, Woody Harrelson, I think would have been fun to keep on the island. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I guess they did that for Abigail to kind of keep that whole thing going. And then I rather kept the one of the stewards. I forget who what her name was. Uh, uh, played by Carolina Jennings. No, Alicia. Alicia Erickson. She was the one that they wanted to get in the water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I wish they would have kept her because, like, they kind of even in the trailer they kind of kept her prominent. So I was like, oh, okay, we're gonna keep her around a little bit. But no, they just people died, and poor uh, Vera, uh, Dimitri's wife, he starts looting her dead body. You know, he's sad a little bit, and then he starts taking off her jewelry. So, I mean, to yeah. be fair, she can't use it. So <laughs> right. Right. I, I think they could have justified Woody Harrelson's captain making it to the island because he didn't seem like the type that was going to fight to stay in right. charge. That's a good point, too. He was he just was like, just yeah, I really don't care. Yeah. <laughs> don't know how he stayed captain over that big mega yacht. The one that, that cracked me up that they, I don't even see listed right here on IMDb, but the the lady with the, the sales comments cracked me up the whole time. She's like, oh, can you have someone clean the sails? And he's like, well, ma'am, we're a motorboat. And she yeah. said, yes, but and she goes, Magnus. He goes, and then the brochure said something about uh, have the sails. He said, yes. And she said, well, Magnus has her sails. And he looks at the first mate and goes, all right, we'll clean the sails. <laughs> we'll have someone yeah. do that. And I was like, God, it, it just shows the, the rich mindset of people. And yeah. she's like, I noticed the, the sails were dirty. And I'm like. Huh. What sales? Yeah, it's just, uh, Woody Harrelson's face is that made me laugh that whole time. And really quick, we should one of the interesting points of this that really touches on the the class system. Um, Carl goes to Paula and complains that one of the crew members mm-hmm. is shirtless and smoking on the deck, all because Yaya is paying attention to him. Right, and he doesn't think anything else about it. And then as he's walking the deck at one point, he sees the guy being escorted <laughs> off. He got fired. He got fired. <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, right. the, the, the guy was trying to provoke a reaction. So well, he got one. Yeah. He, he got one and then some. <laughs> All right. Next up, we got the Fablemans. Uh, I gave this four and a half. I did too. Loved yeah. this movie. Yeah. This is, it's got a great cast. It's mm-hmm. got uh, Gabriel LaBelle is the main one that plays Sammy through most of it. Uh, Michelle Williams plays uh, the mom. Um, Mitzi, is that mm-hmm. right? Mitzi Fiblin. Fable. Man. Mitzi. And Paul Dano. Uh, Paul Dano. The play... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Paul Dano plays Bert. The name's changed. I've I've mm-hmm. read up on Spielberg's family now, and I'm like, I keep wanting to use their real names. Uh, Seth Rogen plays Benny. I did not realize he was in this movie, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Judd Hirsch is in here as Uncle Boris, uh, who I wish we'd seen more of, but after reading the article you sent me, makes sense that we didn't. Yeah, that was a reason. Spielberg, 
Spielberg only met his uncle twice uh, in his entire life. But I don't think there was anyone else. David Lynch plays John Ford. Greg Grunberg mm -hmm. is uh, the co-creator of, Hon of Hogan's Heroes in this. Um, and Crystal played Benny the Monkey. So yep. that's important. We don't want to leave monkey. out... All right, so we're going to run through the synopsis here real quick. It's not too, too long, so we'll get through here. Uh, and then we'll give our thoughts. On the night of January the 10th, 1952, in Haddon Township, New Jersey, Jewish couple Mitzi and Bert Fableman take their young son, Sammy, to see his first film. I thought we were Cecil watching Batman for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. All right. Alleyway, yeah. we're talking about a theater. Oh, yeah, we're watching Batman. You ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight? Right. <laughs> Cecil B. DeMille's The Greatest Show on Earth. Dazzled by a train scene, Sammy asks for a model set for Hanukkah, which he crashes late one night. Mitzi, understanding Sammy's intentions, allows him to shoot another crash scene using Bert's 8mm camera. Sammy soon begins filming regularly, sometimes involving his younger sisters Reggie, Natalie, and Lisa. Bert's offered a new job in Phoenix, Arizona, and he and the family moved there in early 1957. At Mitzi's insistence, Bert's best friend and business partner, Benny Louie, goes too. I instantly knew something uh, was going on there. Like, yeah. That was a pretty easy tell. At first, I was like, oh, okay, you know, she's, so I was like, oh, okay, you can't just leave your best friend. You know, he's been doing this yeah. forever. You can't just leave him. Yeah. And I was like, hmm, hmm, something's going yeah. on here. A little, a little fishy. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, it was telegraphed early on. Years later, teenage Sammy continues making films with his friends in the Boy Scouts, during which he begins utilizing post-production effects and subsequently earns a badge in photography. Yeah, that's a great scene. He he needs it to look like the guns are actually firing, mm -hmm. so he pokes holes in the Smart. film. Smart. Like like... This was a very well done Like on a lot of, I mean, acting was great, the cinematography was really cool. Going back and seeing like these early little films were pretty cool um which a lot of them were like scene to scene what he had back then mm -hmm. so that was, i thought it was really cool later the fablemans including benny take a camping trip with sammy capturing footage of their vacation shortly afterwards mitzi's mother dies leaving her especially distraught providing him with film editing equipment bert suggests sammy turn the camping trip footage into a film to cheer mitzi up Sammy objects over the scheduling of his next film, but Bert, who sees his passion for film as simply a hobby, argues the home movie's more important. The next morning, the Fablemans receive a surprise visit from Mitzi's Uncle Boris, a former lion tamer and film worker. That night, he speaks with Sammy about compromising his family with, ar with art, telling him that both aspects will continue to be at odds with one another. After Boris leaves, Sammy begins editing the camping trip footage during which he finds evidence of Mitzi and Benny having an affair. Mm -hmm. After weeks of harsh treatment towards her and Benny, Sammy and Mitzi get into a heated argument. In a fit of rage, she slaps him across the back, forcing a distraught Sammy to show her the compiled footage. He promises to keep their secret. I don't know if I would have. No, no. That'd be the first thing I did. Okay, you know what? Dad! Especially after she hit him. <laughs> right. I mean, but Dad, I got something to show you. But even like the, the, the article I sent you, apparently like he, uh, him and his mother had like a, he always thought of her like an older sister instead of like more mm -hmm. of a mother. And so there's still that kind of aspect to it all. 
So Yeah. The following week, Bert receives another work promotion requiring another move to Saratoga, California. To keep their marriage intact, Benny stays in Phoenix, but not before gifting Sammy a new film camera. He continuously refuses the camera until he lets him pay $35 for it despite purchasing the camera. Sammy announces he'll never use it. Soon after arriving in his new neighborhood and school, Sammy becomes targeted by students Logan and Chad. There's always a Chad. Who yeah. levy anti-Semitic abuse towards him. He also begins dating the devoutly Christian Monica. This was funny. While having dinner with the Fablemans, she suggests Sammy film their ditch day at the beach, something he considers and eventually accepts after Monica tells him her father owns a 16mm Aeroflex camera that he would let him use. After finally moving from a rental to their newly purchased home, Mitzi and Bird announce their divorce due to her extreme depression and his discovery of the affair. This leaves the family heartbroken. It prompts pretty Sammy... split on like most of it. Yeah. Yeah, and in, in the article you sent, it said that in real life, his father allowed the children to believe it was his fault mm -hmm. because his wife couldn't have bared their rejection. Right. So, um, Which, good person. I don't know if I would have done that, but you know. Right. At prom, Sammy declares his love for Monica and asks her to come with him to Hollywood after high school. Unable to throw away her own life's plans to attend Texas A&M University, she breaks up with him, leaving him despondent. Wonder if she ever thinks about that today. Right. Wonder if she thinks about that moment because he is Steven Spielberg, huge. <laughs> so the Ditch Day film is played in front of Sammy's peers to a rapturous response. It glorifies Logan and vilifies Chad. When Logan confronts Sammy, confused over his positive portrayal, they reach an understanding. Cemented when Logan fights Chad off when he tries to attack Sammy. The next morning, Mitzi and Sammy talk about their future together. Just as she cannot give up her love for Benny, she tells Sammy not to give up his love for filmmaking. The following year, Sammy's living with Bert in Hollywood. He wants to drop out of college, but is unable to find work in filmmaking. Bert begrudgingly accepts his son's passion. After seeing a photograph of Mitzi and Benny together, Bert tells Sammy to keep on his path if it makes him happy. Sammy finally receives an offer from CBS to work on Hogan's Heroes. Knowing he's more interested in filmmaking, show co-creator Bernard Fine invites him to meet director John Ford. One of his greatest filmmaking influences, he offers Sammy some pointers on framing. Newly invigorated, Sammy walks through the studio backlot as the camera frames the horizon to the center, contrary to Ford's advice, before ending by taking the advice and reframing the horizon at the far bottom. And that's the end of the film. Dude, this is a great movie. Um, like, I... That article I sent the the one the with Tom Ford, um, he said that's as far as his recollection remembers. Spielberg said that that was all word for word how those conversations went. And I was like, oh, could you imagine? You know, but yeah, I, I it was so funny though when they go to he goes to um, um, Monica. He goes to Monica's house and they go into her bedroom and she's got all these teen idols, right? There's like Elvis and Ricky Nelson right. and Frankie Avalon, but there's Jesus everywhere. And that was very weird. Very yeah. weird. They're sitting on the, I think they were sitting on the floor and uh, she asks him to invite Jesus in and then she takes it. She, it's really awkward looking. She just kind of 
breathes yeah on, onto his mouth like breathe jesus in and then as she does she kisses him and they start making out yeah it was very and weird i'm like okay yeah that's it's that's a scene <laughs> yeah i that, think that one. i think my favorite I know my favorite parts for this movie were the the one where we're seeing him behind the scenes planning uh, the films, and then the the World War II film that he made, a little short. I really enjoyed that, and then the um, the reactions of the actor who uh, Sam Reckner played Logan of they kept showing him while they were showing the little uh, Ditch Day film, and then uh-huh. the hallway scene. It was really really well done. Like they weren't. They still hate each other, but like he respects them a little bit more, and it's like a big uh, self conscious thing with uh, Logan because he's like, I'm not this person that you made me out to be. He's like, I, it's like a whole, that's not who I am. I'm worse than that. Why did you make me a hero? Yeah. And he was like, I didn't really realize I was doing it honestly. And then I thought it was very cool though that they did the where people were sleeping had their eyes closed. They filmed them like a bird was pooping in their mouth. I was that was great. I loved that bit. And I mean, uh-huh. they did too. Um, I am curious to see how his relationship with his dad um, progressed through the years, you know, because obviously he gets a job with Hogan's Heroes. But how did, you know, he is, Steven Spielberg is a huge name now. I wonder if his dad ever, I don't know, how, the, how that relationship went after well, that. Well, the dad, the dad lived to what, 2020? And I think his mom lived until 2014 or something like mm-hmm. that. Maybe. Oh, so they were, maybe. they were, they all know his success then. So I'm, they, yeah, I'm they, curious about they know his success. Um, so this is, it's a two and a half hour movie. It doesn't feel two and a no, half No, it flew by. But I'll say that I do wish that we had gotten a little bit more there at the end mm-hmm. of, the um the Spielberg that we know. Yeah, I felt like it was a uh, it, it it ended too soon for sure, and I felt like it was like a we've seen like part one of this story. And there should be like a part two movie, but as far as I know, they're not making another one. Which this was written and directed by Spielberg, so but yeah. man, this was this is probably this is I'm trying to look now actually at the. Because this is uh, this is it. This is everything we're watching up until the Oscars. I think this one. I'm going back and forth between Elvis and this one as my favorite one for Best Picture because both are great and they kind of do the same thing. Um, I think I'm a little bit higher on El- on Elvis just because I think they did a a better job of start to finish than this one did. Uh, but man, this was really, really well done though. And I really did enjoy this one and I'm glad that, and I thank you again for sending me the code because this is, this is a good one to watch and I'd be really mad if we didn't watch it now that after seeing it, you know, <laughs> right. Um, if the, the fanboy in me wants Elvis to win, right. If it can't win. I would like for this to win. Yeah. I mean, from everything, like acting, uh, cinematography, all of it, I feel like this was, well, as far as cinematography goes, what was it, the the war movie, All Quiet on the Western Front, Mm -hmm. did great. 
like really good on that one. But I prefer I could, this story than that one. I think All Quiet wins. Hmm. If I had to predict on what I think will happen, I want Elvis to win, and this would be my backup. Right. If Elvis couldn't win, but I could see him going All Quiet. I think it would be the first time of a repeat winner. Could you imagine though? Could you just imagine that happening? <laughs> a remake, a remaster, whatever yeah. you want to call it. It'd be it'd be interesting for sure. Um, but yeah, really good movies. And uh, like you said, we're not sure how things are gonna play out. We're planning next the next show. Mm-hmm. Oscars are gonna kind of mess with that. Uh, if we but live we react know. to some of it, it'll have to be on Patreon. Because yeah. we'll definitely get claimed and don't want to do that. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, the next movie we're going to watch is Babylon. Which I think came out this last year. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's also been up. Has it been up for some awards as well? Uh, I don't think on the Oscars. Yeah, I think it's been up for something elsewhere. Yeah. Um. So that'll be good. I do want to watch The Whale at some point. I, I do I too. Do. We need to I'm gonna add that to our list so we don't ever forget about it. Movies to watch. Okay, The Whale. Because that's a... Uh, that's the one with... Uh, what's his name in it? Brendan Fraser. And I, I hope he wins Best Actor. I haven't seen He's the movie. Is he up for Best Actor? I think so. Let me pull that back up. I can't remember Let's see. Actor in a leading role, Brandon Fraser. Okay. And I know what you said. What you said about Tar, but I'm probably going to give it a shot at some point. Oh, I'm for sure give it a shot. It's. Um, I'll, I'll see if I make it further than you. Yeah, because just let me know how it ends. I, I, I still don't understand what the story it was or is. Okay. But. <laughs> <clears throat> Yeah. Uh, Scream Six comes out this week, though. Yeah, and I was I was thinking about that during the week, so I thought, man, you know, it'd be kind of cool to go see that at theaters. But mm-hmm. I just, you know, I know I can't take off at this yeah. point. Mm, we're gonna have to. I do want to see that in theaters, though. The only thing I could do I could do Saturday. I'm trying to think. Let me look at my schedule. We might be able to make that happen. Okay. I need to remind me when we get off of here to look at the schedule. I don't I don't work that week. I work this weekend, so. But there is no movie news. Mm-mm. And Scream 6 on March 10th is the only notable release. Mario Day. Mario Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you been playing any games this week? I did uh, play another hour and, a, hour and a half or two hours of The Quarry. Mm. So Chipping away at that one. Yeah. Uh, Destiny 2 Lightfall came out. I um, I maybe put 20 hours into that this week. <laughs> uh, just I, Today I played maybe five. Like It's been nonstop playing it. And it's been getting a bunch of complaints story-wise that's not that great as Witch Queen was last year. But I thought it was fine. Like I don't think it was the best one they've ever done, no. But not deserving of all the hate they had. But a really good game. I'm, I'm back in. 
can't stop playing it. I tried Wolong, the Game Pass Dark Soulsy game. I'm just not. I can't play those kind of games. I'm just not good at them. I don't have the patience for it. So I was like, yeah, I just deleted off my my Xbox and went from there. But well, I only have one new story, which you know is, is quite funny to me. Esports we know is is coming to the Olympics for the year of 2024. This past week, the Olympic Games did release what is going to be in the esports category. A lot of people are thinking, oh, you know, League of Legends, maybe Call of Duty, Overwatch, you know, your big, you know, CSGO, your big esports games. It's going to be FIFA? No, it's going to be worse. We have got the games lineup is, and this is from the official Twitter of the Olympics, archery, baseball, chess, cycling, dance, motorsport, sailing, tennis, and taekwondo. Do they understand what esports are? Uh, I'm going to say no. Everyone says, so what are they going to bring out Wii Sports or something? And that's what the esports is going to be because none of the, like chess, just play regular chess. Like, there's not, why is that an esports thing? I, I don't understand that. Baseball, archery, archery they already have. Baseball they already have now. Cycling they already have. I mean, sailing they already have. Uh, I, I, taekwondo they already have. I don't understand. And no one knows, like, what, what games are they playing? Because these are not esports games. I mean, baseball, it would have to be MLB The Show, right? I would think. You would think? Unless, like, they is someone making an Olympic Games esport game? Like, an actual, this is what you have to play? Because this took the gaming, like, world by storm. Because it was like, w- w- what? Like, I don't... Like League of Legends, like your esports majors and stuff like that, which is what everyone thought was going to be brought in because that is esports. That's what brings in the most money out of any of these things. But you're going to like Wii Sports Resorts games. I don't, I don't know. Like we don't even know what games these are. The Olympic Committee is fired. Yeah, just... they they are completely out of touch, and I don't understand why this is happening. But this is not esports, and what needs to be done with esports. If it was April 1st, we would have a uh, a reason for that. Correct, and that bothers me. So I don't know what's going on. Um, but yeah, that's eSports for the Olympics. Uh, notable releases this week. Peaky Blinders, The King's Ransom, comes out on Quest 2 on March 9th. Which I may or may not be getting. Depends how expensive it is. Because I've seen footage or gameplay of it, and it looks great. And I love Peaky yeah. Blinders, so might as well. Just depends on the price. Yeah. It's too expensive. I'm not doing it. But ladies and gentlemen, that has been this week's episode of the Nerdwide Podcast. Don't forget, next week is going to be a little bit different. We will post once we decide what we're going to do on our social medias. On uh, Twitter, you can follow that at Nerdwide, at Nerd underscore Wide. Um, Facebook, just search in Nerdwide Podcast or Nerdwide. That's the first thing that pops up. Uh, follow us on those. Uh, we will let you know what we're going to do there. Uh, don't forget to share on all your favorite social media platforms. Don't forget to rate and review this podcasting, uh, this podcast or whatever podcasting service you use on YouTube, uh, Spotify, whichever one it is. Um, but ladies and gentlemen, that has been this week's episode of the Nerdway Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the Fablemans um, and the Last of Us review and the Triangle of Sadness as much as we did. Let us know which one you think is going to win the Oscars for Best Picture this year. Um, like we said, I think... I would like Elvis to win. Both of us would like Elvis to win. I think Fablemans potentially could win it. 
but who, who knows it could be tar and I'm completely out of touch and what the critics and the Oscars think But ladies and gentlemen, that has been this week's episode of the nerd wide podcast. And we cannot wait to talk to you next week, which will be the, almost the finale of last of us. We'll have to see what we're doing there, but enjoy the Oscars. Let us know what you think down in the comments down below and we will see you then. Later guys.